following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Trusting in His graces, are are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed? Are you washed in the blood? In the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin And be washed in the blood of the Lamb There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb Are you washed? Are you washed? In the blood In the blood In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb Are your garments spotless? Are they white as are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Some glad morning when this life is over I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore I'll fly away God, would you come today in power in this broadcast? Lord, would you touch the hearts of men and women as they listen? Would you bring about the change you desire? Almighty God, 
Jesus, 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 we need you. Come and minister now. I pray in your holy name. Amen. This is not a casual broadcast. Pilgrim's Progress is a very serious, a very serious message day by day because we're in trouble. I don't have time for foolishness. I don't have time for jokes or laughter. I don't have time to talk about the news. I am singularly concerned about your entering into the Lord Jesus Christ in such a manner that you can be saved. Now, many believe they're going to fly away on that great day. I speak with sinners all the time who say, Oh, I know I'm saved. I'm a Christian. But they believe in a false teaching. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 30, has one of the most terrifying statements in all of Scripture. The Lord says, Reprobate silver shall men call them, because the Lord hath rejected them. To be rejected by the Lord. Oh, you say, I've accepted Jesus. But has Jesus rejected you? Because of your sin. Because of your behavior, your choices, what you want to do, how you choose to live, has Jesus rejected you? These words that I've just shared with you were spoken of an entire generation of Israel. God had used every possible means to reclaim them and to save them. They had gone to the temple week after week, saying the temple of God, the temple of God. They believed they were walking with the Almighty King. But they had withstood the word of God to them. They had remained obstinate. They were determined that they would have their way. And so God says to them, O daughter of my people, Gird thee with sackcloth and wallow thyself in ashes. Make thee mourning as for an only son. Most bitter lamentations for the spoiler shall suddenly come upon us. So we read in Jeremiah, again in the sixth chapter, I'll begin reading with verse 27. I have set thee for a tower and a fortress among my people, that they may knowest and try their ways. So the Lord is going to speak to them about very specific behaviors. He says in verse 28, They are grievous revolters, walking with slander. They are brass and iron, they are all corruptors. That word corruptors in the Hebrew, it means literally they are like false, rotten fruit with flies all about them. And they cause other people to become equally rotten, good for nothing, 
impossible to eat. I had a beautiful tomato that I picked in a friend's garden. I put it on the counter to ripen. Unfortunately, unfortunately, there was a spoiled place in it that I hadn't seen. So this morning as I picked it up, preparing to eat it for lunch, I saw that half of it had gone totally rotten. Do you know what I did with it? I dropped it in the trash can. This is what God is saying. They're all grievous revolters. Walking with slander. They are brass and iron. They are all corruptors. They are all rotten to the core. Even though they have a form of godliness, even though they are still going to the temple of God, even though they are still offering the sacrifices to God, He's saying, you're not fit to eat. And then he carries this further. In verse 29, this is Jeremiah 6, verse 29. The bellows are burned. The lead is consumed of the fire. The founder mildeth in vain, for the wicked are not plucked away reprobate silver shall men call them because the Lord hath rejected them. What does the word reprobate mean? It means good for nothing, rejected, cast away, garbage. That's what the word reprobate means. God is saying with this imagery that is so vivid to our mind. I have tried to refine you, but you have refused to be refined because you would not change your lifestyle. You would not change your ways. You wanted to continue watching on television what you wanted to watch. You have continued to spend your money the way you wanted to spend it. You have continued to live the good American lifestyle without regard to the word of the living God. You've continued to go to church, some of you. Some of you have even continued to pay tithe. But some of you have utterly rebelled against the living God of heaven. Now he says, the Lord says in Jeremiah chapter 7, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, hear the word of the Lord, all ye of Judah that enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend or change your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Trust ye not in lying words, saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For if ye thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, 
If you oppress not the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after gods to your hurt. Then will I cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, ye trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder? And remember, Jesus said, if you are angry with your brother, you have already murdered him. Commit adultery. Remember, Jesus said, if you look at that woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery. Swear falsely. Burn incense unto Baal and walk after other gods whom you knew not. And come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered to do all of these abominations. In other words, you know, God doesn't care if we if we gamble and drink and smoke. God doesn't care if we if we lie. God doesn't care if we fornicate, watch pornography. God doesn't care if we're consumed by the entertainment of our world. You go to First John, the third chapter, and you read something that is dramatically different than that. But he says, Go now to my place which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first, and see what I did to it for the wickedness of my people Israel. Remember Eli? He would not correct the sins of his sons who were sexually unclean with the workers at the temple. He would not correct Israel for their wickedness. He was a pleaser. He even sent the Ark of the Covenant into battle with the army, and it was captured by the Philistines. And Shiloh ended And for the next 20 years, the ark was not available to the children of Israel. It was hidden away. It was not until David came that the ark was reinstated in the tabernacle of the Lord. He says, I called you but you didn't answer. Therefore I will do unto this house, which is called by name my name, <clears throat> pardon me, wherein ye trust, and unto the place where I gave you and to your fathers, as I have done to Shiloh. Well, what's he talking about? He's saying, I'm going to destroy this temple in Jerusalem. I've been to Jerusalem, and the temple is gone. And we know that after Jesus, 70 years, A.D. 70, Titus came from Rome and burned that temple because God's people would not repent, and they would not accept their Messiah. And Jesus said, because you have rejected me, I have rejected you and this temple will be destroyed. Over a million people died as Titus took 
Jerusalem. I've been to Masada, where those brave men stood against the Roman legions. I've seen the Roman legions camp. The marks of it are still in the desert. And finally, those men and women committed suicide instead of being captured by the Romans. And the children of Israel today have said, never again. Never again. But the Lord said, I will cast you out of my sight as I have cast out all of your brethren even the whole seed of Ephraim. It was a family affair. Verse 18, The children gather wood, and the fathers kindle the fire, and the women kneaded the dough, and make cakes to the queen of heaven. Today we call them hot cross buns. They're the cakes made to the queen of heaven. They pour out their drink offerings unto other gods and they provoke me to anger. What do we do with this? How do we deal with it? What are the reasons why some are rejected and lost? What are the reasons some Christians are rejected and lost? Because they are unwilling to be saved. That is, they are unwilling to be saved on the terms upon which alone God can save them. You know, ask a sinning Christian or ask just a sinner are you willing to be saved? And they'll all say yes. Do you want to serve Jesus? And most of them will say yes, I want to serve Jesus. And they'll say this with perfect sincerity. Problem is, they want to be saved on their own terms. Sinner, You know who you are. Do you want to be saved today? Do you want to leave your sin now and be converted now? You cannot grow out of your sin. You cannot... You cannot be nurtured or loved out of your sin. Do you want to be saved today? Yes, right now. Do you want to be converted? Do you want to be changed into a new man or a new woman? Are you willing to be saved under God's conditions for you to be saved? Or do you want to be saved on your own terms? A man living with a woman he's not married to. Do you want to be saved? Yes. Do you want Jesus? Yes. 
Are you willing to lay your life down for Jesus? Are you willing to have that girlfriend move out of the house? Well, wait now. That's a problem. I can't afford to do this. Oh, it takes great courage to take a stand and be saved on the conditions that Jesus lays down, which consist of being totally willing to give myself over to the power of the Holy Spirit. Total and complete abandonment to the Holy Spirit and His will, no longer holding back in your prayer, in your sin, to decide to distrust yourself, to decide to not operate any longer by your wisdom, to look now to Jesus Christ every moment that he will be the guarantor of your salvation, no matter what the price, no matter what you have to pay, are you willing to give up everything and follow Jesus? Sinner, are you willing to do that now? Or are you going to be called by the Lord God of heaven a reprobate to be cast away as of no value? I'm speaking to you of the terms upon salvation that the gospel gives in order to save your heart and your life. You are required to repent of specific sins, of all sin, to confess them honestly before a holy and righteous God. You are required to make restitution you are required to believe the gospel of Jesus. That means to forsake your sins, to give yourselves up now to the service of God, regardless of what that will cost you emotionally, financially, friendships, family. Will you choose not to begin making excuses? Now will you accept the terms of crucifixion and death to your own heart and your own life? Will you do so heartily and and practically? Will you consent to the terms for salvation? You see, if you say you're willing to be saved, but you're not willing to accept its terms, then you are lying. To be willing is to accept the terms of salvation, of being crucified with Christ, of turning from all sin right now. Yes, cutting off the alcohol. Yes, confessing honestly and openly the fornication, the adultery, the lust for things of darkness. You must absolutely turn from bitterness and anger and judgments from the bitter root 
Are you willing to do that, sinner? What I'm sharing with you today are the only terms upon which you can possibly be saved. If you reject these terms, it is an insult to God. It is an insult for you to pretend that you want Jesus and you want to be a Christian, but you're unwilling to be crucified with Christ. You're unwilling to pay the price of entering into salvation. There's only one reason why you cannot be a Christian. And that is because you are unwilling to give up your life and follow Jesus. Are you willing to do that today? Now, many of you listening to this broadcast would call yourselves Christians but you have never totally submitted your life to him. You make excuses on why you cannot. It's too expensive. You have addictions that bind you. You have alcohol that is a hold of your life. You have deep bitterness and anger in your heart. You have pride and, and judgments against others. You have many reasons why you cannot. And so you satisfy yourself that you are a Christian because you say you are, but you are unwilling to meet the conditions for being a Christian. Any sin that you habitually walk in will prevent you from being a Christian in the eyes of Jesus Christ. Oh, you can be a Christian in your eyes and in the eyes of those you are friends with, but in reality you are not a Christian if you are still walking in wickedness. If you have not been transformed into a new creature, if you do not abhor your sin, if you do not hate unrighteousness, you are not a Christian. Because when you become a Christian, you are made new. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. The old has gone and the new has come. It is a supernatural work that God will do in you. But in order for him to do that work in you, you must be willing to totally lay down your life. There was a man by the name of Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee, meaning he was one of the most righteous of his day. His righteousness was primarily that of outward observance and outward prayer, almsgiving. Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. He sat upon the powerful form of the Sanhedrin. He did not come to this new young teacher that was stirring the nation so in the daytime because he did not want to be identified as being a follower of this man. There was, however, in his heart a dis-ease and a growing conviction. So John tells us that he came by night 
they sit down together and Nicodemus opens the conversation by saying, Rabbi, well, first, Jesus was not a rabbi. He had never been to the rabbinical school. He had not been trained by Gamal or some other great teacher of the Pharisaic persuasion. I'm certain that Nicodemus thought he would honor Jesus by calling him rabbi. Sometimes people have come to me and they have said, Dr. Greenley, and I have said, please do not call me doctor. I am not a doctor. I am nobody. It is Jesus I represent. But he came complimenting, saying, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher that has come from God. For no one is able to do these signs that you are doing unless God be with him. He recognized the signs were very real. He could not deny the healings, the wine at the wedding at Cana of Galilee. These were great signs, but he refused to make the connection between Messiah and Jesus. So he came with unbelief, but with a a tongue of compliment. Jesus answers him, Truly, truly, I say to you, and this is, a common saying in that day when one wished the listener to know that what is being said is of utmost importance and of utmost truth. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless anyone may be born from above, he is not able to enter the kingdom of God kingdom of God is not a geographic location. It is the divine authority of God. It had been 400 years since the divine authority of God had been revealed in Israel. Malachi, that last great prophet, spoke so eloquently of the coming of Messiah and what he would do. And then for 400 years, there was nothing. And Jesus is saying to this educated, sophisticated, very wealthy man who cooperated with Rome, he owned, we're told in extra-biblical sources, that he owned 10 mines in Europe with Joseph of Arimathea. And Jesus is saying to him, you must be born from above, You must become a new person like a baby or else you will not be able to enter into the divine authority of God that is now being exercised upon this earth. Nicodemus is hearing and he can't believe what he is hearing because he believes that he is operating in the divine authority of God in the tabernacle, in the temple, 
And Jesus is coming and saying, what is happening at the temple is not a part of the divine authority of God. Why would Jesus say this? Well, because the high priest position was now purchased by bidding with Rome. The presence of God had utterly left this temple. This was not God's temple. This was Herod's temple. He is saying to Nicodemus, you're not going to be able to enter in or experience the divine authority of God unless you are born from above. Nicodemus, you can go to the temple every day. You can give your money. You can sacrifice. But you cannot enter the divine authority of God. You cannot come under the new that is now taking place after 400 years of silence unless you are made into a new person. And Nicodemus answers him, how is a man able to be born after being old? Nicodemus was old. And he's saying, look, how can I start over, Jesus? How is this possible? He's not able to enter into his mother's womb a second time and be born, is he? Jesus answers, Truly, truly I say to you, unless anyone may be born out of water and the Spirit, he is not able to enter the kingdom of God. So now Jesus has laid down very clearly the conditions for entering into the divine authority of God. It is first of all by water, It is the washing with water. It is the cleansing. Unless a man is cleansed, unless he is clean, and unless he is brought forth by the Holy Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He cannot enter into the divine authority of God. You cannot enter in your flesh. You cannot enter by trying hard. This is a supernatural work of God. And unless you're willing to leave your sin, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Verse 6. This is John, the third chapter, verse 6. The thing having been born out of the flesh is flesh. In other words, in Genesis, kind gives birth to kind. Horses don't give birth to dogs. Cats don't give birth to horses. No, cats give birth to cats, and horses give birth to horses. He's saying, you must be born out of the Spirit. The Spirit is going to give birth to a new man, a new woman. Not the same old, not living in bondage, not living under the lies of Satan. You're going to be made into a new creature. You're going to be set free. Verse 7, you should not marvel that I say this to you. It is necessary for you, pardon me, to be born from above. 
Pardon me. Now he says something that is stunning. And it's taken me a while to begin to understand this. The wind blows where it wills. You hear its sound, but you do not understand from where it comes and where it goes. So it is with everyone being born out of the Spirit. Jesus is saying, when a man or a woman is born out of the Spirit, they are a new creature in Christ. And they're going to do things that people who are in the flesh will think are extremely foolish. I tried to tell a man why I was doing a certain thing. And his response was anger. And he said, you cannot do that. It is wrong. God wouldn't do that. He has no understanding of what the Spirit will do in a man. It's illogical, he said. It's it's not what a natural man would do. I said, yes, I agree with you. But I don't walk in the natural man anymore. I walk in the Spirit. Well, you have to have a foundation. You have to have money. You have to have a place. You have to have, you have to have, you have to have, you have to have. No, I don't. I have to be born in the Spirit. And then I have to walk according to the Spirit. And I'm going to do things that people in the flesh are going to think are utterly foolish. And they're going to castigate me and they're going to condemn me. They're not going to understand. Well, part of what's happened to me is I finally gave up thinking that everybody should understand what I'm doing. People don't understand a man or a woman who walks in the Spirit. It seems like foolishness to the flesh. It seems like too big a risk. Nicodemus answers, and he said to Jesus, How can these things be? How can I become a new person? How can I be born again? How can I be washed by water? You understand what he's talking about? Has your wife or a friend spoken about giving birth and their water breaks? Washed by the water. They're coming out a new creature. And they're filled with the Spirit. They don't love the old ways of darkness anymore. Now, I've participated and watched the birth of two daughters. And I want to tell you, it was not easy for me to watch the pain and the struggle to give birth to those two daughters. And when those two daughters came out of the womb, five years apart, they immediately began to cry. Being born is not easy for the one giving the birth or for the one being born. 
it is a traumatic experience for both. But the joy is in that bundle in your arms as that little one begins to suckle. And you pass this baby around to the family, and they're all excited, and they look at this little baby, and they say, Oh, look, he just looks, she just looks like her daddy, or she just looks like her mama. Oh, look, she has a full head of hair already. Better take her to the beauty parlor. The joy is so evident. When you're born of the Spirit and you're born of the water, you're a new person. Jesus answered and he said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I may tell you heavenly things? Now, Jesus continues talking about these impossible things. As he begins to speak to his disciples in John, the sixth chapter, verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the desert, and they died. This is the bread coming down out of heaven, that anyone may eat of it and may not die. If I am the living bread, having come down out of heaven, if anyone may eat of this bread, he will live eternally. And yet the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give in behalf of the life of the world. So the Jews were disputing with one another, saying, How is this man able to give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you may eat the flesh of the Son of Man and may drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. The one eating my flesh and drinking my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at that last day. For my flesh is truly food, and my blood is truly drink. The one eating my flesh and drinking my blood remains in union with me, and I in union with him. Remember that passage that I've been talking with you about several times? John, the 15th chapter. I am the vine, verse 5. You are the branches, the one remaining in union with me, and I with him. This one bears much fruit, because apart from me, you are not able to do anything. <clears throat> Jesus gave us just one commission, go preach the gospel. He only said, I call you to be fishers of men. But men say, oh, I can't do that. I don't have the personality to do that. No, and you won't until you're born again. Until you stop being religious and are converted. And then your whole heart will go out and be broken and be soft for the lost and the dying. 
Verse 7, if you may remain in union with me and my ramas may remain in you, you will ask whatever you may desire and it will happen for you. By this my Father was glorified that you bear much fruit and you will prove to be my disciples. Do you understand what I'm saying to you today? Many of you listening to this broadcast are in danger of becoming reprobates of no value to Jesus because you walk in the flesh and call yourself a Christian. You still walk lusting after the things of darkness. You still want to sit in front of that television instead of praying. You still want to feast on everything of the, of the entertainment of this world. You still want to spend your time going here and there. You want to go to the clubs. You want to go to the parties. You want you want what you want. And have never sacrificed your life for Jesus Christ. Sinner, I ask you today. Do you want Jesus Christ? Do you want Jesus Christ? Do you want to go to heaven? Do you want to be made into a new person? You can be made into a new person right now as you're listening to this broadcast. Get real with God. Confess your sins. Ask him to make you into a new creature. Abandon yourself to Jesus and leave your old ways. Turn the TV off. Turn off the world. Seek after Jesus. Get in the prayer closet. Get real with him. And he will give you birth. And you will become a new creature in Christ. Read Romans, the sixth chapter. Read Romans, the eighth chapter. Read the entire epistle of First John. You will learn very quickly how to be a follower of Jesus. It's going to take you time and energy and money. Do you want to be converted today? You can be, right now. If not now, when? When will you leave your worry? When will you leave your lust? When will you leave your anger? When will you leave your spiritual superiority? When will you humble your heart before Almighty God? When will you turn away from your wicked ways? When will you humble your heart before Almighty God? Oh, Jesus. I plead today for those who are listening to this broadcast. I plead that they will be made new in you if they are not already a new creature in you, Jesus. Lord, there are sinners listening to this broadcast who need to be converted right now. I am asking that you would move in their heart to get on their face before you and cry aloud to you and repent of their sin, specific sin, 
and utterly turn aside from it and say, Jesus, I give myself to you. Would you come now and would you meet me and would you take over my life? It's no longer my life. I give it to you, Jesus. I give you my time, my money, my energy. I give you everything, Jesus. Take over my life for it belongs to you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you. And I pray in your holy name. Amen. Now, I have several things I want to share with you. Many of you have followed this broadcast for some time, and I love you dearly. You've contributed. You've been a part. You've encouraged me with your words and your letters. On September 30, I'm going to marry Alexandra, my precious sweetheart. She's been on the air with me. Many of you have expressed how you've enjoyed her input. I'd like to invite you to come to our wedding. But I don't have your phone numbers. I have not made a mailing list of people who donate. But I'd like to invite you to come. And if you would like to be a part of the wedding on September 30 at 2 p.m. in the afternoon, you're welcome to send me an email and let me give you the email address that you can send it to. Send your request, and we'll send you a formal invitation, an e-invite, with all the particulars. Send your request to ray at nationalprayerchapel.com. And as soon as we get your email, we will then send you that invitation. So please send me an email if you'd like to be a part of the wedding to rayray at nationalprayerchapel.com and we will be happy to include you in the festivities. I would be delighted to meet many of you and this would be a wonderful time. Now, I also invite you to follow us on Twitter at NationalPrayerChapelTwitter.com or Facebook. Just go to National Prayer Chapel on Facebook. I also invite you to go to our webpage, NationalPrayerChapel.com. And there, I invite you to donate to help cover the cost of this radio broadcast. I am so concerned about Washington, D.C. My heart is overflowing with love for this city and for the salvation of this city. If yours is and you want to sacrificially give to help this message go forth, write to me, please, at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, and so far this month, not one person has gone to that webpage yet. Many of you did last month. I encourage you to go to 
our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and just touch the button Donate, and you can give online. Now, I also invite you to come and worship with us. If you're a sinner and you want to get right with Jesus, or if you are an intercessor who is very concerned about what's happening in the city and you want to pray for the lost, I invite you to come because we're going to spend much time this Sunday in prayer. Our prayer time will begin at 12 noon. Come to the All Saints Anglican Church. It's located at 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Again, it's the All Saints Anglican Church, located at 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Come around to the back side of the building. Come in the double glass doors. There's a large white sign that says lower lobby, and you'll find the worship center on the left-hand side. It will not be a normal, quote-unquote, worship service. We're going to spend much time in prayer, supplication, dealing with sin. I love you. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Before the presence of His glory With great joy With great joy Now unto Him who is able To keep you from falling And to present you blameless Before the presence of His glory With great Jesus Christ, our